Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to episode 10 of the Wolves Fancast series, Stories from the Pack. Uh, on this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by uh, BBC journalist and presenter, uh, Sean Farrington. Um, Sean, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. No, no no trouble at all. Thanks for coming on board. Just before um, sort of we spoke at a time of recording, um, one thing I didn't mention in the introduction as well, you've recently, is it recent podcast? I just had a, had a quick look that you've launched, yeah. Your Work, Your Money. Very recent. Yeah. Like, it literally just uh, weeks old. Um, as, uh, there's a Five Live program that's a bit of a podcast that I've worked on for a few years called Wake Up To Money Anyway, and I do a bit of... Uh, TV reporting, but this, yeah, this money is podcast only. Yeah, you know, getting, getting down with the kids. <laughs> so, so how, how did that come about? I guess it tied in with with the work that you do with Five Live. And did you feel there was more opportunity to to expand on on what you do in that in that role? And yeah, I think um, the, just really we've been inundated during with the coronavirus stuff going on with questions about jobs, money and all that kind of stuff. And and we just weren't able to answer enough in our normal programmes that we do. So we just thought, let's make a podcast just about that. Brilliant. So I'll mention it. And, and when we, we put this out, we'll also put a little tag out there as well. But it's your work, your money. If you want to find it online on all the available uh, podcast places, you'll, you'll find ourselves as well. So if that's of interest to you, then then get involved and, and have a listen. Um, we're talking we're talking walls. And, and on, on this um, series, if, if you haven't listened before to people listening to the first time, really, it's a trip down memory lane. We'll, we'll talk about the present, I'm sure, because it's bloody good at the moment, so we can't help do that. But I think what we have to do is really kind of talk about, and I think with a club like ourselves, it's it's a hell of a roller coaster as it's been. So the highs and the lows and, and really um, your, your first memories as well. So we'll start as, as we always do at the beginning. So for yourself, Sean, what were your first memories of being a Wolves fan, be it sort of from home or, or the match experience? When did your Wolves story begin? Well, my my wall story probably began like way before I was born. My family for decades uh, have been going to Molyneux 
um, my um, my mom's uncle was like you know near enough not far off 100 years ago now was like a shareholder in wolves at one point wow. uh, not and and uh so the the family ties to just not in any kind of fancy way just to wolves have have gone back right the way through so um i you know as anybody who knows me has seen me at the match um over the years all my mates will know i go to the match with my mom that's that's you know who I go to the game with, and uh, she's been going you know, with her brothers since the probably the early sixties, mid sixties, um, and yeah, and and then that's just followed it through ever since. So it was definitely one of those uh, upbringings where you never even considered uh, another team. Mm. Um, annoyingly, I just missed out missed out on the live memories of the Sherpa Van Trophy final. Uh, probably my first actual memories of Wolves is watching that game on VHS because we had mm-hmm. a copy of it and watched it on loop. And then for myself, the first match I went to was Oldham at home in August of 1990. Mm-hmm. Uh, had uh, John Ireland stand, J9, where I then was for pretty much all of the 90s. Uh, had the honour of seeing Steve Bull score two goals the first game I went to, but annoyingly, Ian Marshall scored three goals for Oldham, <laughs> and uh, and we lost three two. Uh, was he the yeah. ponytail guy? I don't think that name rings a bell. Ian Marshall. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely at that point was more big mullet than yes, <laughs> the ponytail. That's right, that's the uh, one. Yes, <laughs> surprisingly scored a, some decent goals as well isn't it, yeah. for you know, the type of player but yeah that was it and, it, and it's just crazy now you, you know you talk about oh you know how good it is now but actually, like when I was trying to remember before we started talking about this what it was like and I can just remember to my left a decrepit South Bank and a, mm. and then even more run down Waterloo Road stand and uh and it, I was, you know, pretty lucky, really, because within, you know, a couple of years, there were new stands popping up at Molyneux. And uh, and because I was always in the John Island, I got to see them all. I was never actually in them, but I, I got to see them all. Brilliant. I mean, it, it's similar sort of to, to myself, really. I, one of my first games was in, in in that lower tier in the John Island, in the, the sort of the red seats, as it was. And that it was kind of like the family enclosure of the time, wasn't it, until... Mm. The, the Billy Wright was built and I had a season ticket sort of your equivalent the other way I think in J2 if if, if serves me well but are you, do you still watch the games from there? Uh, no so uh, in the I, I think it must it was around the turn of the century uh, and a, a, an opportunity came up to um, to move our season tickets me and my mum move our season tickets that people she knew that she'd been going to the match with for for donkeys they had a seat come up in the South Bank. Mm. Um, and uh, so sort of you know, classic row KK, you know, pretty just over halfway up, just to the, the Billy Wright side behind the goal. Amazing seats. Yeah. And, uh, and so we moved there and pretty much ever since uh, we've had uh, season tickets there. I, um, there were a few years when I was at uni and I sort of foolishly, gave up my season ticket because I thought I'm not going to be able to go. And I still ended up going to every game, traveling across the country to go. And, and it took me, we, and we got into the Premier League around that time as well. So 
that was quite a nervous time. Managed to get to the Millennium Stadium, and yeah, all of that was um, down to a, a couple of fellas who sadly aren't with us now. Um, Alan and Pete Elwell were uh, they were the ones that you know brought us over to the South Bank. I had Pete's ticket when he couldn't go for a, a period of time. Uh, and Alan been a friend of the family for decades and decades. And uh, yeah, and I never forget the M- Millennium Stadium. Uh, I had an exam the next morning that didn't go well at all after <laughs> traveling to to Cardiff. And um, yeah, and so th- then I, I still I managed to um, get that seat back about. Uh, well, actually, it was when we got relegated to League One. I uh, then the, the my old seat, two seats away from my mom, came came back av- available again. So got that then. Uh, yeah, whether whether it was the League One season or the season after, can't quite remember. Uh, but it was around that time I managed to get that back. It was before Nuno, anyway. I'm I'm always at pains to say I jumped back on board the season ticket bandwagon uh, before <laughs> Nuno arrived. Uh, yeah, and so or still South Bank to this day, still got a season ticket there now. Well, Brilliant. Feels like a, a different yeah. era. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and in, in those early days, you mentioned, um, you know, classic story, I think many for a generation, you know, probably your first game and bully scoring, it kind of was, that was that was what it was, wasn't it? Every every Saturday it felt like. Was was Bully was one of the, the main players you looked for or was there any other players during that time um, that, that stood out for you? It's funny, isn't it? You almost you you want there to be other players. You sort mm. of want to look back and think there were other heroes, but you can't get away from the fact that it's such a cliche, isn't it? Wolves fan, Wolverhampton, watching them through the eighties and nineties, it's like, yeah, bully. How great was he? And you almost forget really how yeah. great he was. Like I did, I did have every wall of my room was bully posters. I remember um, Robbie Dennison and Paul Cook were. More my type of player, I'd say. Like mm. you, who are you going to be out on on the playground? I was never quite the uh, the build or the strength or the finishing prowess of bully. So <laughs> th- those were the slightly uh, softer touch uh, I remember at the time. But but for me, like the first hero I felt like was there was my hero was I, I'll never forget watching the the highlights because it was an away game Robbie Keane's first game of the season when he mm. made his debut against Norwich and scored a couple of goals and I remember thinking blimey you know that he looks pretty good where's that come from and then and then that season and the next just seeing him it felt like I remember thinking this this is like my bully you know mm. somebody who's come along in in my area took a bit of time waiting for it but uh, yeah um, I yeah I think. Kino was definitely, I remember, you know, going away on a Tuesday night to see Wolves play Berry and Robbie Keane, just Wolves fans singing his name as a fairly, like, I think it must have been 17, 18 at that point. Uh, yeah, and you and just really, like, idolising him. Somebody you, you can actually sort of empathise with a bit. Was, you know, only, like, a few years older. And, um, yeah, he'd be the one for, for me in, in the 90s. There, it did, let's be honest. There weren't there weren't that many sort of heroes to to sort of take home. Were there? There were a lot of players. Yeah. We thought, you know, when Steve Corica joined, you thought, wow, is this <laughs> is, it, is this going to be the one? Simon Osborne for a bit, and then, but you know, too many games, you get a bit frustrated with him. 
but uh, Robert Keaton, Dougie Friedman was would be another one I'd put in that era of again more my kind of player, somebody who liked to nutmeg rather than uh, volleying a ball in the, the top corner style. But but you're right, and you you think about someone like Keane, and I think at, at the time I think it was the fact that I remember just seeing him thinking I haven't seen anybody quite like that. I haven't seen someone with that arrogance and or you know maybe it's not arrogance that confidence you know that that kind of I, I guess for neutrals that sort of Rooney about him didn't he, he was 17 he, he came on the scene and he was like wow this this kid can play and I think yeah we'd we'd kind of gone through an, a, a few sort of partners with Bully and obviously it was short-lived as it was for Keane but for that time when he was in the team he was he was just a joy to watch wasn't it Keane uh, and I think maybe it, it feels uh, nicer than it was at the time. And when you think about um, the partnership of Keane and Bull, I'd probably mm. like to kid myself now that that was, you know, one of, would have been one of the greatest partnerships of all time, but they actually didn't really play together that often and, and mm. gel that much. We like to get a bit wound up about the FA Cup semi-final and you know, neither of them getting a start. And I remember yeah. going, you know, that, that, that was probably the first time Obviously, had a few uh, playoff semis and things like that in, in the mid to late nineties. But the, the FA Cup semi final, being being that close and going to Villa Park, and um, that was a real moment. When I mean, I mean, we could have we could have won that day if we'd have mm. uh, if we'd have gone at it properly. Um, poor old Steve Claridge. <laughs> it's and it's one of those and, and, and you're right it, you know we, we we have to mention it and and this is the thing with this series where you know we'll, we'll we'll touch again on on the highs in a moment but you mentioned that semi-final and I think it was so different to the recent semi-final wasn't it Sean in terms of the recent one I kind of accepted that because I kind of thought well okay yeah we were tuning up but we're in a good place I'm sure we're not going to be strangers to this stage but I think it was because Oh, you come remember, on. You know, well, you know, <laughs> when, I, I remember saying yeah, to this yeah. Alan, who I've mentioned already, God mm. rest his soul, he, um, uh, he was standing next to me. And when we went 2 0 up, I did, after a few minutes after that, I sort of turned to him and was like, Blimey, wh- where do you think we should park next time? You know, <laughs> did, I, and, you know, we were, we were there, we were, oh, we were in the final. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. That I, I'm not sure I can have the. I don't think I've quite got over that one yet. Uh, yeah, I know what you're saying. I, I think it was just the fact with the with the comparison with the other one for me was we we weren't at that stage that often, were we? In terms of that first game with Arsenal, and it was just a selection, as you say. You know, you you all turn up, you're already you're excited, and you see, was it Robbie Slater and you know yeah. Claridge and and. You're looking at Bully and, you know, Icon, icon and it's like, this is his moment. And it's just like, what? So, yeah. Um, Think about that season, though. What I really remember is not not so much the semi, actually. It was just the run to the mm. final. Uh, I, you know, not I, I don't really have a photographic memory of, of many moments in my life. But I can still, to this day, remember standing behind the goal at Leeds mm. when Don Goodman dinked the ball over the goalie and I never saw the ball cross the line uh, <laughs> just everybody it just going crazy in that moment and uh, that that is easily a top five if not if not even 
top two or three moment of uh, of my time as a Wolves fan. Um, after time as well, around that time, was queuing to get tickets, wasn't it? It was mm. you, you could you could barely guarantee you'd get one unless you queued up overnight. The overnight queues is another one actually. You're getting used to that social distance queuing now. That that remind I saw a picture the other day that reminded me of a it must have been Norwich in a playoff semi final, I think. And uh, me and my mates got in the paper for getting tickets for that for that one. Uh, that was a proper full overnight queue job for that. But that that's what you know, you, you sort of valued it a bit more then almost. Mm. For some reason we really grafted to get the tickets. <laughs> I think that's the thing. I was talking to a mate when we were trying to get tickets for for that that semi against Watford and the kind of the queuing system. And I had my missus was trying and his missus was trying and so forth. And he was like, "Why can't I just go? I just want to stand outside the ground and just queue all the way around." And it was like you put your shift in to get your ticket rather than be a number. But yeah, it it is what it is. I mean, we've touched on on a few moments here, some highs and lows. Um, What would you say? Because we'll end on the positive. So if we look at, say, perhaps as a low, mention a couple there. What what would you say is your lowest moment as a Wolves fan? What was your moment where you thought, oh, why am I doing this? Or you just didn't know where the team was going or was there a particular game um, that sort of added to your feeling at that time? Yeah, I mean, there was, there, there was general like upset and frustrations when we lost the lead to Albion, mm. when we were so far ahead and... That was more embarrassment, I think, than uh, than a, a particular low. Uh, there was heartache as a child. Uh, was a bit different losing the playoff semis and all those battles that we had with like Bolton and Palace, and mm. thinking this was going to be the year and it wasn't. But the the real low, which came as an adult, was I was at the Brighton away game when mm. we got relegated to League One, and the the atmosphere in the crowd was horrible i'd never experienced anything like that where fans were so, like not just having a go at players we 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 know that wolves fans uh, will soon enough have a go at players if they if they're not too uh, keen on them but it th- this was more than that it was really personal at the at the players and i and i remember when jamie o'hara stood near the center spot and and whether he stood with his foot on the ball or just stood with the ball still in front of him and no player tackled him and the Wolves fans were just booing him and laying into him. And I was definitely a part of that as well. Just the mm. anger. That was that was horrible. And I still find it amazing that we had the season we had mm. after that, that given that situation. I remember Roger Johnson, I wasn't that far from the front and Roger Johnson coming over to try and I'd have a word with the fans or chuck his shirt in and, and he could barely get near the crowd because of the, the vitriol at that point. And I, I do remember thinking, oh, I can't do that. That's, a, that's a, a bit too far for me to go eyeball to eyeball with somebody and actually scream at them. But yeah, that was, that was horrendous. And when I think that was the, the Wolves fans moment when you see other teams who've struggled and gone down divisions and over the years. Yeah, if you were there at that um, the Brighton away I think that stays with you a very long time, that feeling. Yeah, and I, and I think, as, as, as you say, I guess, you know, you touched on that sort of next season. And I think, you know, and as you referenced there, we'd seen other clubs, you know, have double relegations and, and also struggle to get back up. And like you say, to see that turnaround from what you saw in person, where you saw a club 
backs against the wall, you know, that disharmony and that disconnection, you know, that summer. And if you remember the Preston, the following game, it was like that, that must have felt like a different club overnight, you know, and it wasn't. And it took time to build that relationship. But I guess Kenny Jackett must take the praise for that. So. Yeah, Kenny Jackett. And also, you know, I think there's a, there's a few views that I, I think I have that, when you see Wolves fans on Twitter or you chat to people in the pub at the time of your mates, that I feel like I'm maybe not in line with the majority. And and I know uh, Jez Moxie and Steve Morgan uh, have had, you know, get a lot of stick for the way that particularly the relegation was handled out of the Premier League and then the managerial decisions, which obviously some of them were uh, a bit of a joke in that season. But to actually keep your composure in that moment Mm. in in my job I speak to tons of business people all the time and and you just and and it's a very stressful situation then even if they're earning loads of money you're not just sitting there having a cigar every night when the Mm. business is struggling you know you've got staff you're having to lay off people as you're getting relegated down the divisions and and still to have the composure to go we're going to get somebody like Kenny Jacket in and we're going to back him with the type of players that he wants we're going to back him with the you know, even somebody as lovely as Kevin Doyle was effectively left out the squad for mm. um, was it for all of that season? I think certainly for large part of it, um, just because like we you know we effectively can't afford you and it's not where we want to go. Uh, yeah, I w- I think I just I will um, always be quite impressed with that moment, but I've got a tendency with Wolves to to look on the bright side of life a little bit and always look on the, the better side of everybody, even those that uh, you know, probably don't deserve that. No, and, and, and to that, to that note, you mentioned the Millennium Stadium earlier as well, Sean. Is that your best moment or was there another prior to that? Was there a moment when you thought, this, this doesn't get better, this is worth, you know? Ooh, that's a, that's a good one. I should, have, um, I should have thought about this before. I think... That uh, the I'm really uh, I really try with my memories and my favourite players and all of that not to just let the top ten things be everything that's happened in the last few years under Nuno. Yeah, it's um, but I I try and fight that a little bit because of of course you know the last few years are going to be absolutely fantastic. Um, Trying to think of, of, of moments. Uh, my my first away game, one of my best ever memories was uh, Ipswich away in the FA Cup in, I think, 94, 95. I think it was maybe in the spring of 93, 94. We drew, mm-hmm. drew with them in the cup and then had a replay going away. And I must have been like 10 years old. I was in year six at primary school. Yes, yeah, whatever it was called, the top top year of primary school. And my teacher, Mr. Flanagan, who's still at St. Anthony's now, he let me leave early in the afternoon because the the little the minivan that me and my mom and friends of the family were going down in, you know, you can't get to Ipswich without having a bit of time off school. Yeah. It was all really exciting. Got down there. I don't think it was quite my first away game, but it was definitely the first one I remember. Uh, and then to you know, go away with what I thought at the time. I didn't see the the replay for about a week. Uh, it was a, a Tomo free kick in the top corner. I think Lee Mills maybe got the other one. And we won 2-1. And uh, I got to, in in the van on the way home, I, they had a, a little mattress for me because I had to go into school the next day. So <laughs> they'd put a little mattress down and I remember sleeping. We'd picked up a couple of fans on the way back and all. 
uh, and I was t- yeah, 10 years old and, uh, and that gave me a massive bug for seeing Wolves home and away and just living, you're almost like irrelevant of the result, the experience mm. of the match day um, was something that, you know, definitely a big part of the travel club in the 90s we, with my mom, if my mom was going and if not with a few of my mates. Uh, so that one jumps out at me and then I'm just sort of fast forwarding. I can fast forward through the 90s pretty quickly. Uh, Millennium Stadium was great. It was almost a bit too easy in a way for mm-hmm. it to be one of those games. It wasn't a classic Wolves game, was it? It was no, no. done and dusted. Uh, then I just, I, th- I remember I were, the Leicester home game when we were 3-0 down at halftime mm. and won 4-3. That would be up there for celebrations. But then I'm, I'm crossing a lot of it. You know, I'm being realistic. I think the Man United game was incredible. With you know Jota scoring the winner recently, the I mean the Kenny Miller game, game when uh, Miller took that one away. That was nice going into to uni or school or whatever it was, uh, and uh, and being able to stick it up a few United fans. But I think the United game, the City game. Uh, I was just going to say last season, but well, it's, 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 it's it, I've it, lost it, track of which. I know we're, in, we're we're on pause, but yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of we don't know where we're kind of picking up from, but yeah, the continuation of this season and last, and and like you say, those wins against you know United in the in the cup as it's been this year and Jota previously as well. Um, but even going back to to the switch one, and that's what this series is about, really, because as you rightly say. We know, you know, at the time of recording, we're, we're just about to go back into this season. And we know for many generations, and we're absolutely respectful of the 50s and 60s and what went on before. But we know for many generations, this is absolutely brilliant. And But, you know, everybody's got their own individual stories and everybody's got their point in which where I'm like, I'm hooked. There's something about that. And there's something about an away game, a long journey. And like you say, going from school, that, that just stays with you, doesn't it, really? Well, be in the memory books, but it'll be your own memories, and you know. Oh, there uh, are times when me and mates legged it after school to get the travel club coach mm. to go and see a god awful game on a Tuesday night somewhere in the freezing cold in the middle of winter with only our blazer on because we we hadn't really planned in the morning that we were going to go. Or you know, um, yeah, the, the away days have have been a huge thing. And actually, I think what's been great about the last few years is they've, they've really embraced and invested in the match day atmosphere at Molyneux again. Because in the, in the late 90s, it was pretty incredible with the liquidator banging out. And that I think it was a playoff game, wasn't it, with Palace at home? Yeah. Where we didn't quite do enough. Um and uh, you know that the atmosphere then I remember, and I still, th- I remember for a lot of the two thousands thinking, this is great, but it wasn't, it wasn't what it was on a, on a mm-hmm. Wednesday night at Molyneux, and I think they've got that back in the last few years, which has been, which has been brilliant, just absolutely banging for a whole game. I think that's it, and that that Palace game though, you're right. I remember, I think I was in the North Bank at the time, and that atmosphere that night, that was something. I'm kind of getting goosebumps now thinking about it because that was a special, special night, wasn't it? And like you say, we we weren't far off, but there was something about that. And I think they've tried to replicate the atmosphere and it's and it's difficult. And 
I don't know what you think. It's probably maybe a misconception, but I think there's something to it. I think Wolves fans generally, sometimes you get the best atmosphere when the back's against the wall, when we've had a bad decision, where were the underdogs? And sometimes what we, we found in those championship years when the atmosphere wasn't quite there was we, we were going out and expecting to win. Um, so it's kind of different in these current times where there's an expectation with this team, but they've, they've built up that momentum and, and they've realised the one pack, they've done so much with that and it just resonates and it's such a great place to be, isn't it, Molyneux, at the moment? Yeah, it is. And it's interesting, all the one pack stuff, because I think when you've been going for as long as I've been going, you don't really, you don't really need that. But what you realise is you do, the people who are, uh, they're not fly-by-night fans, but people who have been going more over more recent years, it's something for, for them to cling on to as well. And it does give people who maybe can't get to every game because we're selling out so much. You, you can feel like you're a part of something. And, and, it, and, it, and it, I, yeah, I'm just quite, imp- I'm surprised and impressed at how well all that has worked. Quite interesting really with the, the, um, the change of uh, leadership at the club a bit over the last year or so with, you know, various directors and, and people leaving if they're actually able to to carry that on, I think it that'll be a real test now. You know the stories. I don't. I wasn't. I wasn't at the Brentford game when you know Jeff She was buying around uh, <laughs> one of the pubs there. Uh, I was in the Hogshead once when uh, Laurie Dalrymple walked in, and I, he just happened to be standing next to me at the bar. And I got <laughs> back to you then. And the, you know those things really, uh, really sort of spread like wildfire and give people a sense of being proud of the club for. Uh, for really sort of valid reasons. It doesn't feel like just a PR exercise. So they've got to keep that up. But yeah, I think at the minute, the way they're playing, they're not going to struggle for a bad atmosphere for a while. No, and I think, you know, you, you, you feel it, don't you, in the town and in the, in the city? Well, probably if you like me, we call it the town still. But, you know, there's something about the, the football club. And, and do, you, do you find that every time you come back? Obviously, you, you come back, you know, quite often, you say, from Manchester. You find it when you're at the ground that there's just a, a feel in terms of, without putting your business head on too much, you know, the economy and the feel for the ground that the football club being successful, it just... It just makes a difference to everybody's lives. It really just um, having a Premiership football club, being successful geographically where it's been in the in the city centre. It just, I don't know. It just has such a fantastic effect on people. I feel. Yeah, I notice it because when you know I um, stay with my mom when I'm back in Wolverhampton, and my mom gets the bus everywhere, and I was brought up on buses, and you get on the bus, and and the, you can almost just tell with on match day as you get in the bus into town to go to the, well, in the 90s, when I first went, it was the Feathers was always mm. our, our pub before the match. And then it became the style um, because I sort of fancied myself as a hotshot pool player as a teenager. So that sort of helped a little bit. But getting the bus into town and it's the the glint in the eye of the bus driver just going, you know, who they're playing today, mm. the, the interest. And, and I'm pretty sure there weren't many bus drivers asking that question when, like, Glenn Hoddle was in charge. And, <laughs> you know, the people you sat next to on the bus on the way home afterwards, would be, what was the score? How did they get, oh, good. You know, people you'd never think would be mm. that fussed in the game. And you tell them the result, they go, oh, good, you know. And you're, you're right, I think that feeling, it, it's the feeling, I, I don't know whether it really has an economic effect or not. I think, you know, bigger things at play um, mm. with stuff like that, to be honest. And uh, And it's... You know, there's 
there's a danger that I think that a council can just go all in on a on a football club when actually you know people's lives and their livelihoods are, are much more than that. But you know whatever's going on in your lives, if Wolves are winning, it that filters through and you see it and uh, yeah, and uh, and you definitely notice it at the minute. And and it does it feels to me like as somebody who, as now um, unfortunately I don't live in Wolverhampton, but I'm back there a lot. It feels like things are happening that, uh, and hopefully everything that's going on, the crisis at the moment at the moment doesn't set things back too much. But you know, you when you see the the train state pictures of the train station spruced up and a fancy cocktail bar popping up here or there, and and the pubs full on a you mm. know the, the good pubs full on a Saturday night, it's uh, yeah, it, it gives you a bit of hope. I was, you know, you just reminded me of the style because I used to go there a lot with my dad and there's something about that pub being where it is and just walking down that alleyway and oh, I just got the old set up with the bar, the lounge and the bowling green. Oh, <laughs> what, yeah. what a great pub, you know, and, that, and, and I think that's because of where the ground is as well. It's, I get quite romantic about that, but it's a cracking, cracking pub. Um, and hopefully, you know, when it's safe to do so, we'll, we'll be going back, obviously, perhaps not this season as we expect, but but next season. Um, it's a good, good reason for a good shout out for the style, actually, because it's mm. well set up for a bit of social distance. Yes. Drinking, you, you never mind the streets around it, but you've got the beer garden. They've got their fancy new, you know, outdoor area at the back with the screens on there and everything mm-hmm. like that. I the walk back down the alleyway. That was one of my sort of early memories as well. Is mm. you know, I'd, I'd be allowed to choose my chocolate bar. Uh, <laughs> I think it used to have about three different uh, corner shops where you could get mm. your well, get whatever you wanted from from them along the way. Um, and there was a pick and mix one if you fancied that. And yeah, that. Yeah, they they were great times. I'm not I'm not sure they're there anymore. There might be there might be one corner shop left, I think, along the way. Brilliant. Well, Sean, it's been brilliant really having a look back and sort of going through memory lane and a lot of memories I know resonated with me and will resonate with with a lot of people listening. Um, just before we close, thanks so much to everybody who's supporting the fan cast at the moment. Um, if you like what we do, then please give us a five star review. We really do appreciate it. Um, as I say, at time of recording, this will go out. The football's just about to get underway. So Hopefully we'll be discussing um, many more memories in the future and and good times as well. Um, But for now, Sean, thanks so much for your time. Can I just say before before we wrap up as well, all this chat about watching German football and (laughs) um, Belarusian football and all that, I have absolutely no interest in that. I've, uh, I've got no interest watching any other sport behind closed doors on the telly. You need your own team back. You do, you do. And and it's one of those people are kind of, you get all these, you've probably had them as well in, in groups. Pick your German team. Pick Not this, this. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've, I think I've humoured a few mates by saying, oh, you know, didn't Jaden Sancho play well or something like that. But yeah, yeah it does make you realise that uh, you just need to be back in that ground. No, brilliant. Well, we're all looking forward to it. And um, we, we hope, obviously, everybody's listening is, is, is continuing to stay safe and well. And uh, we'll see you soon.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.